is so exciting to be here with you guys again. It has been years since we have put something like this together, but we've gotten a lot of requests, so I am quite excited to uh, try to start doing this on the regular again. Yeah, um, so we saw that a surprising number of people actually wanted to know what's gone on. So I will give you a really quick rundown and then Malcolm will say more interesting things because he's the fun one. But basically, since we've last checked in with you, we have published, depending on what you've watched, um, two or four more books, The Pragmatist Guide to Sexuality, The Pragmatist Guide to Relationships, The Pragmatist's Guide to Governance, and The Pragmatist's Guide to Crafting Religion, all ended up Amazon bestsellers. The Guide to Governance, congratulations, Malcolm, was a Wall Street Journal bestseller a few weeks back. So that's a big milestone for us. We also saw our travel business through the pandemic. We operate a travel business, dirty little secret of ours. Um, it actually does pretty good work. And we we survived as a team the pandemic, which was a big deal. Um, we got into education reform and pronatalist advocacy. Um, and we also had, uh, depending on when you've last seen us, two more kids or one more kid. Our latest kid, uh, her name is Titan Invictus, was selected using a cutting age uh, new type of embryo selection, which ended up getting us covered in a piece by Bloomberg, which then led to us giving, getting covered in a piece by Insider, both related to our embryo selection and our pronatalist advocacy. And then most recently, our pronatalist advocacy, um, which is just something we do on the side as something that we care about, a hobby, got us featured in Telegraph magazine, which then led to a lot of people front discussing- cover, Front cover. Front cover. magazine, a, continue. A title along the lines of, Meet the elite super breeders. Um, <laughs> so uh, that led to um, a meme. I think like meet the elite couple breeding to save humanity. Um, and it is it was a weird week following that. So uh, Malcolm, how do you feel about all this thing? All these things <laughs> that happened. Well, I think we learned a lot about how the internet works and how the current news cycle works in ways that can help us manipulate it better in the future. Um, and we've been experimenting with that already, uh, which is really fun. So one of the things that's really important to note in terms of the various articles that covered us is this wasn't the first front page article about us. Um, we actually hit like the front page, about 75% of it at the National Post, which is one of the top papers in Canada, uh, or the top paper, depending on how you're counting. Um, and that got us on... Uh, Nobody cared. A little bit of and it was featured, but under a different title that was more provocative. And this is where I began to realize sort of there's three categories of articles that we can pretty reliably predict how viral they're going to go when they come out. The lowest category of article is an honest article about us that is sort of nuanced about our perspectives and the pronatalist stuff, which we'll talk about in a future podcast at some time, um, and an honest headline. Um, and those do very poorly. Like we immediately know, no matter how prominently they're featured, they're going to do poorly. The second, so the insider piece was actually behind a paywall and not a front page piece, yet it was probably the second most viral piece on us um, and that one fit into the second category, which is, uh, 
a, a dishonest piece and a dishonest headline. Yeah, well, and specifically what Malcolm is describing is, um, gosh, okay, I'm going to look up the exact headline um, because you'll see, like, it's something that would make me um, immediately, like, bristle. It, it, the the title, uh, oh, no, I can't see beyond the paywall. The title um, is? I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it, but now it's, like, literally paywalling me. Um Oh, uh, here, I'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Billionaires like Elon Musk want to save civilization by having tons of genetically superior kids inside the movement to take control of human evolution. Yeah, Which so that sounds... Not at all, yeah, what the movement's about. Uh, it's about uh, uh, sort of increasing access to fertility technology. And, you know, like in our case, we were motivated to use it because... Um, Simone's mom died of cancer and we didn't want our kids to get that. And then, you know, with existing technology, we're also able to select against things like probability of developing depression and stuff like that. But I would hardly say that editing, uh, you know, out uh, things that we've had to struggle with that we don't want our kids to have to struggle with would be considered like genetically superior kids or- Well, and yeah, the, the, I mean, the whole subtitle of the article implied that we think and that other tech billionaires think that they are genetically superior, which we first don't. And the whole reason that we're involved in pronatalist advocacy is because we really care about preserving and expanding pluralism and diversity. Um, so it, it looks really bad. But when people see a bunch of smug, pasty nerds sitting in a preview image below a title like that online, what do they do? They hate share it. And they talk about how disgusting these people are for thinking they're genetically superior and trying to populate the earth with their disgusting genetics. And I think that that is, it's a good lesson. In ideas ride through the internet, especially through places like Twitter on waves of hate um, instead of on waves of nuanced conversation. And our hope is that when we try to share information about the risks of a hard landing on demographic collapse, you know, why we're in pronatalist advocacy in the first place, um, even if we ride on a wave of hate to get to someone to sort of reach them with the issue, that they may at first look at that and bristle and say, oh my God, what assholes, how could they possibly yep. think they're superior? This is not the pronatalist video, so let's not go too deep on it. We won't yeah. go too deep, but they'll, they'll end up reading the argument and say, oh, oh wait, they're actually super reasonable and that's not what they actually believe. And yeah, um, which is something that Trump did, right? Um, a lot, uh, he would yeah, say. That was his core strategy. Um, but I haven't gotten to the best type of article. So, so one of Trump's ah. core strategies was to say um, something like, oh, you know, we don't want to be like one of those shitty countries in Africa and the media, of course, is like, ah, he said a bad thing. You're not supposed to say those countries are shitty. But your average person, when he's promoting that, hears that and they're like, but they are shitty, right? Like, we don't want to be like that. Um, and uh, that is sort of how you play the press these days, is you get them to say something that they think is preposterous with enough of your own words that people can read it and be like, oh, maybe I'm not getting the full story here. Maybe there's more to what they're saying than what is being reported that's being said. But then there's the very best type of story about you. 
which is one with a dishonest headline, but um, other than other than the headline, it's pretty honest. Um, and that is, uh, you know, what you're, you're really hoping for, because what that does is it allows sort of the idiots who see the headline and then just want to go off on it to, um, go off on the headline. Um, and then, uh, the, gives the people who want to argue against them enough ammunition to argue against them in the comments. And that's how you drive something to the top of social media these days. Sorry, I took off my glasses because these ones seem to be like lopsided. I got to figure out what's going on with this. Mm. Um, well, so here's the thing I want to ask, um, because something that we're seeing among a lot of our friend group, like a lot of our friends have various causes that they care about and things that they want to support. Um, and yet their approach with both their own personal lives and also with their issues is to never, ever, ever court controversy, to only get puff pieces, to, um, you know, never never look like an idiot for sure. Um, I'm wondering why, why there's so much care about this. Like, do you have any picture under or understanding of why people seem to want to be so private these days? Yeah. So first I think it's worth talking about why the controversies do so well in the existing social media environment. So uh, I think a lot of us, well, uh, you know, older people, uh, we grew up with Facebook algorithms. And what Facebook algorithms do is they recommend you content from people who uh, you like their other content. Uh, however, a lot of the media cycle is driven by the Twitter algorithm, and it doesn't work that way. It recommends content based on um, how well, uh, how much engagement an individual piece of content is getting. That's part of why uh, Twitter just doesn't really convert for people. So if you're a celebrity and you're trying to promote like a concert or something, Twitter converts famously poorly because anything that's just promotional and not courting controversy just does not do well on Twitter, which also makes Twitter like a weird status symbol in our society to have a lot of Twitter followers because it's, it's not really monetizable or even particularly good at getting your message out unless you're willing to court controversy with everything you do. This is one of uh, Andrew Tate's core strategies is he would make sound bites that were very offensive so people would share them and he would try to be more reasonable in his long form content. Um, I still think, you know, maybe not that reasonable, but that was his core strategy to, to sort of moving up within the media. Uh, this is also how Jordan Peterson began to, to get, he would get in fights with reporters and stuff and people would share that. And then in his longer form content, he was often more like muted and, and uh, uh, reasonable. Um, and so that's a, a common strategy, but to your question, there's this idea of, well, I don't want anyone saying anything negative about me at all online. And it's because you do get a lot of hate, right? But the problem here is this strategy one does not work into changing the public narrative or even getting yourself into the public narrative. But in addition to that, uh, if you force it, if you blunt force it with like a family name or money, it leads to terrible results to you. Uh, two examples I can think of are the uh, Coke uh, daughter who right now is all like, you guys don't know how hard it's been for me. There's this New York Times like sponsored piece I keep getting that just makes her look terrible. Um, and then there is the uh, Henry and um, what's her name? Megan. Megan, Megan and Henry uh, thing. Harry. Harry, Harry and Megan. So I don't follow the, the royal stuff. <laughs> but really what they mean, um, you know, this whole like privacy controversy, what are they really saying when they say they want privacy? Because obviously they don't want 
privacy, privacy. They want everyone talking about them. What they mean is they want to control what people are saying about them. They want a very specific narrative about them. And what they don't like is when reporters break that very specific and narrow narrative they're trying to convey. The problem is, is that specific and narrow narr narrative is of uh, people who sort of fit this, this progressive model or woke model or whatever you want to call it of the ideal person. Oh, I care about the environment. Oh, I'm not elitist. Oh, I'm... And when you try to do, oh, I care about, you know, whatever, all of the hot button issues, whatever the hot button issue is today. And when you try to sell that, you come across as incredibly disingenuous and you just court a lot of hate. Um, if you look at the people and the YouTubers and stuff like that who have done well on the left, they are typically far uh, left of, of, I think, what the ideal perfect woke person is supposed to look like um because at least then they're saying interesting things and things that engage people well and things that people share yeah i i think it's it's telling i, I you one of your friends after hearing this theory from you encouraged you to read trust me i'm lying by ryan holiday and i you know i i'm the one who reads and then i summarize everything to you but like basically this confirmed everything um and ryan holiday is someone who used to or maybe still does manage PR and, and public relations related things for American Apparel, but would also do consulting for it for people like Tucker Max, who probably is only familiar to people who are millennials or older. Um, but he would, he would start by, he would basically trade up the chain. So he would start by even fabricating something uh, very controversial at the bottom of a chain. So when he was promoting um, a movie coming out about a guy named Tucker Max, um, he like literally defaced a billboard and then he leaked a tip about it anonymously or one of, through, his own billboards. Oh, one of Tucker Max's billboards. Um, and then he leaked something about that to a blogger or a publication who then covered it. And then that got picked up by other publications who are trying to, you know, feed a ravenous news cycle. And then eventually another group defaced a billboard or poster related to the movie because they were caught up in this trend. Um, so ultimately it was all feeding into itself. And, I think we've definitely seen this on our end as people, for example, cover the Telegraph piece is the Telegraph piece has a, a misleading title um, and cover image and subtitle. And um, we've seen a lot of people cover it. And often what happens is one person covers it uh, inaccurately and then a bunch of other people start covering it inaccurately as well. And that sort of trades along. And the extent to which people really aren't checking or verifying things in the vast majority of cases is pretty sobering. What was really shocking to me at The Guardian, which I had thought of as like a legitimate news source, literally it was very clear they had read nothing but headlines about mm -hmm. pieces and some people criticizing us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. It was clear they hadn't read an actual single word of any interview we had ever done. And it was The Guardian, which really, I mean, like, trust me, I'm lying, guys. Like, apparently this is a very good book for press strategy. Yeah, apparently it holds up. stuff up. Yeah, it was really weird to read that book and then like see this happen because I, I, I reading that book, I was like, well, I, I like our theory. I like our whole like, you know, controversy works, hate works, et cetera. But like, I don't I don't know if people are like lack this much scrupulousness, but no, apparently. Well, I mean, if I could think of a single non mainstream progressive intellectual who had risen to fame in the last 10 years without it being on controversy, I, I can't think of one. <sighs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you're right. Um, controversy sells. Um, 
resentment sells. And I guess you wouldn't think it does. Like you could also think that um, what we had published about us in the Telegraph, for example, which framed us as elite in quotes, um, would have been seen, let's say if people are modeling the evil us that they hate in that photo, they probably think that we we like asked to be called elite or we like announced that like, oh, we'll do the interview, but only if you call us elite in the title because- I, I'm an elite gamer. Uh... <laughs> um, but I, I think that uh, people, people may not even see um, articles designed to be hate shared as such um, because a lot of people commented on that subject, like what makes them elite? How could they, why, how are they elite? And we're like, well, fuck, we're not elite. You know, like there's nothing elite about us. No, um, what's really interesting is that wasn't in the initial Telegraph article. That mm. was added in a Yahoo News reprint of the Telegraph article mm. and then adopted to the Telegraph article because it was doing so much better in sort of the SEO algorithm. Interesting. So well, because I it love, made people mad. <laughs> we, well, and then a whole meme was created around this concept of the elite couple breeding to save humanity, which I love. I mean, what a great meme to have uh, kicked off. Um, but it's interesting that we got elite as our branding from Yahoo News. I'm like the gatekeepers <laughs> of modern elite culture, Yahoo News. Um, uh, but I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be branded as elite these days. The idea that we would go out there like trying to push for elite branding is... Unless you're like a, an elite chess player, you know, like a, an elite chess champion, well, that's like gamer, like an elite gamer like, or something. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it, no, but, but like being the elite, like from a classist standpoint, I mean, I think right now, um, especially online, capitalism is out being uh, in any form of like, I guess, economically or socially elite is out. Like you can influencer, but you can't be elite. Does that make sense? Well, and so this is what's so fascinating is these same people who decry elite status are in a huff over losing their blue check marks. <sighs> and it's like, what was that if not a signal? You just admit the greatest. And then I think what's is I they hear elite and they think classist. Um, and that's the form of elitism that I would say that we don't buy into. However, Am I a generic elitist? Yeah, probably. And by that, what I mean is, uh, you know, online, we will have people, uh, you know, be like, oh, like they think they're better than us or whatever, right? And it's like, well, what do you mean think? Like, by most metrics, I'm probably <laughs> a random Twitter user. I don't mean to be too spicy here. Uh, but I think that uh, we do believe... Um, that uh, we're pretty happy with who we are and, and what we've achieved. And I think- I don't know. Here's, here's how we define elite, Malcolm. Yeah. And I think it's pretty simple. The elite are those who show up. The elite yeah. are those who build something, who do something. Um, and if you are not doing something, if you're not building something, if you're not solving a problem that you highlight, we don't think you're elite. You just aren't because the elite belongs, you know, the future belongs to those who show up. Um, businesses belong to those who build them. Like that's it. That's just how we view the world. It is a very capitalist view of the world that makes us elitist in the evil bad way, I guess, by many people's standards. Um, and, and we're not denying that some people don't achieve these things due to stuff completely outside of their control. Uh, yeah. That is, that is, and, and within our existing system, a lot of people just, do not have everything within their control. However, we're also um, of, of, of the belief that uh, 
some of it is within your control. And uh, we support those who, uh, you know, work hard to do this. And, 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 and the idea that, uh, you know, you'd have somebody who spends all day on Twitter yelling at people being like, how dare you think you're better than me? It's like, mm. yeah, well, I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's our life. Everyone um, will end this for now, but we're thinking about doing regular conversations like this. So if you would like to see more, leave comments requesting anything you'd like us to discuss. Um, and maybe we'll see you back here. Uh, but it was fun chatting. <laughs>